Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. Today, I want to talk about the Purple Belt promotion, what it means to me, and what I'm looking for in students. So I've been thinking about this episode for a long time. Months. The Blue Belt episode's definitely been the most popular episode. A lot of people have messaged me, and I've even had school owners message me and just tell me how much that episode helped them to kind of, you know, whether give them a direction or something to look for in their own students. And then obviously I've had people message me and say that, you know, that really helped them. And a few guys say that, man, that they tightened down a few things and from that episode that I said, and they got their Blue Belts. So really cool to hear. And this is the follow-up, the Purple Belt. I promoted uh, a purple belt probably two months ago, maybe, and I'm getting ready to promote another guy to purple belt. I already would have promoted him if it wasn't for the virus. So um, again, I've been thinking about it a lot. And the purple belt is a huge belt. In my opinion, it's way more important than the blue belt. Like It really signifies that you've stuck with the art. The odds of you getting a black belt are so much higher. You've passed that beginner stage. You can really start to teach classes. You are an assistant instructor. Even at world-class academies, purple belts still help with classes. They're usually the demo partner. They usually go around and help in the beginner classes. And so they have a very important role at the gym. Very, very important role. They are in a leadership position. And so, obviously, anything I said in the Blue Belt uh, episode, they should have you know, continued working on. But there are quite a few things that I'm looking at and a few more than others. And so the first is that, is that they have a deep understanding of how to escape the major positions. They're not afraid of being in a bad position. So mount, back, side control. When a purple belt mounts them, they're not completely stuck. Again, I'm never looking at a black belt or you know some world-class guy comes in and mounts a blue belt. And I'm like, man, that guy's nowhere near his uh, purple belt because he can't escape this you know, black belt's mount. It's always going to be the belt that you know the next belt up is what I'm looking for in students. You know, obviously, if they're struggling to escape a mount of a white belt, then I I think they have a lot of work. But especially, you know, if they're escaping side control, mount, the back, um, you know, north-south, these positions, and they've got clear A and B escapes, it really shows that they're ready to really start putting together an offensive game. Salo Berio, I talked about him in the last episode. His book, Jiu-Jitsu University, is, as I said then, is just a masterpiece. And what he says about escapes is, let me get this book over here. So what Salo says about escapes is that escapes and survival are the foundation to an attacking jiu-jitsu game. If you know your opponent cannot keep you in an inferior position or finish the fight, you will be more confident in attacking him. This works not only as a confidence builder for you, because you attack repeatedly, 
without regard for your opponent's defense, but also as a demoralizer for your opponent because he must face someone he cannot hold who attacks him continuously. And I think that really sums up what I'm looking for, you know, before you promote somebody to purple belt is that they're not afraid, again, of being on bottom. If they go for an attack, they go from arm, you know, uh, arm bar from mouth and they miss it and they're on their back, I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried that, man, they're going to be stuck here the rest of the round. They have no chance of getting back up. And having that confidence is what's going to really help them at Purple Belt start to develop those chains attacks, really start to expand their game, open up their guard more, take more chances. And that's going to facilitate learning. The more chances they take, the more they learn. The last thing in the world I want for a purple belt, any purple belt in the world, is for them to not be able to escape because their offense will continue to get better. But when they get put in those bad positions, it's almost embarrassing. When you see a brown belt that can't escape mount or a black belt even, I've seen it. They just they don't have good ideas. They don't have the basic techniques. They haven't. It just doesn't look like they've put a lot of time in on elbow escaping or you know doing different types of you know mount escapes. And for me again, I'd much rather have my game based around defense in these beginning stages than offense because when you lack the defense you really get exposed at the higher belt levels. And you never, I mean, people will question your blue belt. Oh, man, is this guy really a blue belt? But you never want someone to question your purple belt because the purple belt is such an important belt. So after, you know, that's like the big one. After I see that, man, okay, they're survival and escaping. They're doing really good there. I want to see that they use strength in proper movements. They're not spazzing. Their movements can look fluid. You cannot have a spazzy purple belt. You can have spazzy blue belts, white belts, obviously. Like That's really, really common. But in blue belt, you should be working out of, you know, or I should say you should be working out those kinks, those movements, <laughs> patterns that, eh, they're a little clunky. Eh, you need people a little bit too much here elbow people a little bit too much there, you know, when you're going for your back transitions or going for a certain sweep, you should have developed body awareness. And so spazzing, no go. You can't be a purple belt and spaz. Also, I'm very, very impressed when students start to use their strength and use their attributes properly. So if you're a 220-pound gentleman and a 160-pound guy you know, is starting to get ahead of you in the game, go ahead, use your strength. Anybody that says don't use your strength is stupid. It's just using it at the right time. And I think in Blue Belt, you should be learning when to use your strength. Instead of just grabbing a headlock as hard as you can, you should know the escape, whether you know it's a bridge and roll, whether... You know, it's an elbow escape or whatever it is. You should be able to use your strength through those movements, which is going to make the technique even better. And so that's one of the things is proper technique. When you add attributes behind it, it becomes unstoppable. And in blue belt, 
you should again be learning that feeling of, man, okay, I'm starting to do the technique properly. I've been practicing a lot. I know what it feels like when I do it effortlessly. Now when I put my strength behind it, man, it feels unstoppable. That's the feeling I want you to have. The third thing, and I talked about it in the leg lock episode, is I want to see that you understand how to escape all the leg locks. Like you can play the game. You're not just tapping to heel hooks in 10 seconds. Or I shouldn't say 10 seconds. You're not just you know starting a roll and getting tapped by a heel hook in 10 seconds. So somebody knows that that's your weakness. They sit down, pull guard. They put you in an ashigurami, and then they've tapped you. And then they do it seven more times. Purple belts, in my opinion, you cannot. I do not want this for you. I do not want you to be the guy that's terrified of leg locks, that's terrified of the blue belt that's practicing leg locks, or even the white belt that's practicing leg locks. Because I have seen so many guys, I don't want to say again embarrassed, but kind of they get embarrassed by, you know, a guy that's ranked well beneath them and that's been training half the amount of time they have because they neglected the leg lock game. And so blue belt's the perfect time to, you know, I'm watching you. And, okay, you're struggling with leg locks. But towards the end of it, I should be going, man, you know, this guy's getting some really good leg defense. He knows how to slip his heel. He knows which way to turn. You know, if it's an inside attack, he knows to go this way or start doing these things. If it's an outside attack, he knows to start doing these things. Again, white and blue belt are the time that making mistakes and, you know, getting tapped, it doesn't matter. You're in the beginner belt level. But purple belt is you're starting to become an intermediate and starting to get into those advanced ranks, you know, ranks. And so you do have a little bit more responsibility, in my opinion. You know, it does like your performances out in tournaments matter a little bit more. It doesn't mean, again, that if you lose, you're banned from the school or, you know, you're, you're an embarrassment, nothing like that. But you just you don't want to go into your purple belt with these deficiencies. And these are the ones that when I see people come from other schools or I'm at a tournament I'm watching and I see these deficiencies, I go, mm, their school's got a big hole. Their schools, they don't focus on leg locks. Or man, you know, that's the fourth guy I've seen from that school, and they all struggle with, you know, this they all struggle with escaping mount. Or, you know, they, there's some big holes. And I don't want you to have that for your purple belt. The fourth big one, and one that really starts to impress me, and that really shows me that you're getting close to your purple belt, is when you start chaining together techniques. That's very, very difficult to do. And it shows that you've been training, and you've been drilling, and you've been focused for quite a while. When you can take an A technique, you know, and mix it with the B technique. So obviously, the one that we all start learning at the beginning is just triangle armbar. When you see a really smooth triangle armbar, it's always super impressive. Like when they can go back and forth between the two, when a practitioner can. Well, when guys start to mix, you know, their Kimura game and taking the back, and then they can throw an arm lock off of the back. So they can go Kimura, back take, arm lock. That's a very advanced skill. And when they can start mixing together their passing with their attacks, with their sweeping with their attacks, it really shows, again, that they're starting to leave those beginner belts behind. And so generally what I'm looking for in purple belts is three. 
And number three, you can chain together three techniques. I'm not expecting these super long Donahir, you know, sequences where you can go from, you know, standing to the, you know, arm trap RNC, you know, like an eight move sequence. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about you've got areas where you go for an attack and you felt the defenses. So that's where having that B and C technique really matter. That one, two, three, because... You're really good at the arm triangle. Everybody knows that. So they start to defend a certain way. And you have developed a chair sit. So you go from the arm triangle to the chair sit to the rear naked choke. And that's just going to make you way more dangerous. And so when I'm watching guys roll, when I see them, and that's one of the reasons why, like when I see a guy pin somebody and finish with a, um, you know, Americana, like he just pins the guy, Guy on bottom flails. Guy on top ends up pinning the arm together and he finishes with Americana. I'm not that impressed. That's a, that's a beginner level technique, you know, especially when they're, you know, you're doing it to a white belt or blue belt. But when you attack an Americana and the guy on bottom straightens his arm, you know, to defend, he starts to straighten his arm and turn in, and then you turn that into an arm triangle, and then you go to mount and you finish the arm triangle on the other side. That's what I'm talking about. That's chaining together. Like you started with an Americana. Well, now you're mixing your Americana with blank technique because the guys are defending this way. And that's going to set you up for, again, higher learning in your more advanced belt levels. Like it's going to really set the stage for you to start to understand that each role is a perfect opportunity for you to learn. Every single reaction could be the difference from you, you know, I mean, it, you could learn something from anyone based on the reaction. And I didn't understand that for a long time. And at Purple Belt, I think you should be starting to understand that, man, guys' defensive strategies are what lead to you developing really good chain attacks or chain you know, chaining together your techniques to either get sweeps or, you know, it's just the basis. Most guys, though, they start with chain attacks, like submissions. And then that's going to lead to chaining together your passing, your sweeps. And once you get to black belt, they all just become a fluid attacking sequence. So those are definitely the big ones that I'm looking for. Okay. Now, some of the other things that I'm also looking for is have you developed a go-to guard? Is there a position you feel really confident that you can sweep guys from? I'm just looking for one, possibly two. Generally, if you're a smaller guy and you've been starting out on bottom, you're going to have maybe two or three. And your top game is going to lack. But I am looking for you to have a guard that you know you can get a sweep from that you can change position on the other side of that i'm also looking do you have a go-to pass do you have one or two passes that eh, you can get to work on most people especially white and blue belts like are you passing blue belts guards okay i'm impressed because purple belt is where you're really going to start to focus, in my opinion, on your guard passing and your guard, you know, like retention. But I want you to have, again, 
a building block. I want you to have, okay, you play these two guards, now we're going to add two or three more at your purple belt row. You're going to be able to push and pull guys through different guards. Okay, but I need you to have one or two that you're comfortable with already. Same thing with guard passing. Hey, we're going to start really developing different sequences and different patterns of how we're going to pass. But I want you to have a knee cut already, or I want you to already have a twister pass. Like, oh man, you've got a pretty good twister pass. These are the techniques we're going to add on top of that. Confidence. It's tough to be confident as a white and early stage blue belt because you are so early in the game. You can get crushed. You've understand at this point, you've been there for two years, you're a blue belt. You understand you can get crushed by any given moment, you're back to being the nail. And there's nothing you can do when a brown or black belt especially want to do whatever they want to you. And you understand that. And so it's hard to have a sky high confidence when... That's your reality. But I think when you're getting closer to that purple belt stage, a lot of guys start to, you can just tell, they, they are starting to feel confident in their game. Whether they're just taking on different challenges or the way they speak, you know, the way they talk about techniques. Because they have developed in that blue belt stage, we've talked about maybe a go-to guard, maybe a, a couple of go-to submissions. And so when they talk about them, you can tell like, man, you know, I've learned things from blue belts, especially those guys that have been blue belts for a while. I've learned multiple things from blue belts over the years because they have been training for a few years and they've put in tons of reps on a few of those areas and they're better than me. at. And so I looked at them. I'm like, dang, what are you doing right there? Oh, super cool, man. Let me add that into my game or, you know, oh man, keep doing what you're doing, man. That's really cool. Even if I don't take it, you know, and, and start to look at it for myself I still love seeing what blue belts are doing. And you'll see again the confidence grow as they start to develop ah, a few go-to movements, a few go-to techniques. And so I love seeing that confidence. And when you start to get confidence, what happens? People start to, they start to come to you. They start to like gravitate towards you. And you'll see that. You'll see guys that are blue belts, you know, as we talked about in the previous episode, when you're white belt looking to become a blue belt you start to hey into your white belt start mentoring a little bit but at blue belt you really do become a mentor and guys start coming to you instead of you seeking guys out they start to seek you out and you'll see that with guys you know after practice you'll see a blue belt that's been a blue belt for a while have three guys around him and it'll be showing a technique or helping him in with this and the more and more you see that you're like oh dang okay He's becoming a mentor. He's ready to start becoming an assistant instructor. Hey, maybe, because at Purple Belt, like we don't let Blue Belts teach classes here. But at Purple Belt, you never know when you'll get called on to teach a class. We all kind of, I mean, me, especially now that we're not teaching, like I love teaching. I really miss it. But I would never ask a Blue Belt to teach my class. But a Purple Belt, I'd let any Purple Belt teach my class. And so I need to have, like, when you get a purple belt here, I need to have the confidence that I'll trust you to teach my class. That's what it means here. Same thing, Brandon. Brandon feels like if you're a purple belt here, yeah, you can teach my class. You can teach the beginners all day. And so uh, are you confident? Have you changed? Have you grown in confidence? I also... There's one final thing. So I say there's also one final thing. 
And I've seen this happen plenty of times, and especially the more um, at the higher level, higher belt levels, this is very important, when like a big factor in getting promoted. But some guys, when they're blue belts, they help turn a white belt into a blue belt. So they help create a blue belt. And when you help create a blue belt, that probably means you're a purple belt. So if you do take a guy under your wing at that purple belt stage, you take three or four guys, and one of them really starts to get good, and he becomes a blue belt, and he's talking about you, you know, like, oh, man, you know, I really, like, Johnny, he helped me so much. Like, without Johnny, I wouldn't be a blue belt. It's a big eye-opening thing for me. It makes me go, ah, well, Johnny's, he's probably a purple belt now. He just helped some guy, you know, he helped one of his training partners get the next belt level. He's probably a purple belt. Like, that's very, very, very impressive. And so if I was the head of an association and I had a purple belt teaching, you know, he was running SCAF BJJ in, you know, we'll say Idaho. And I visited there and I rolled with his guys and I was, you know, he's a purple belt and I was rolling with a couple of his blue belts. And I was like, man, these guys are getting super tough. They're getting close to their purple belts. Probably means that student's getting ready for his brown belt. Like he's helping create, like, hey, you're getting really close, man. Like if you create purple belts and you're a purple belt, it's time for you to be a brown belt. And I know Brandon has promoted a few guys over the years because they helped create, they helped somebody reach that next belt level. So I hope that helps you guys, um, you know, give you a direction, especially the white and blue belts. That really should, between the Blue Belt and Purple Belt podcast, that should cover what I'm looking for in the beginning stages of your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu journey. You'll notice that most of them, you know, are not attack-based. Like, I'm not expecting you to tap dudes 15 times, you know. Obviously, if it's a dude off the street, that's a little bit different. I do expect you to tap them, but it has nothing to do with, like, beating the Purple Belts or Brown Belts. So in this podcast, you didn't hear me say one time, like, oh, you're tapping purple belts out left and right. Like, of course, if you're tapping purple belts left and right, that's a huge indicator, but it's definitely not the most important thing for me. It's not the thing I'm looking for and like, that's all I care about. You tap, you're tapping purple belts left and right. You know, I don't care if you're a good person. I don't care if you're a mentor. I don't care if you know these techniques. You could just, you could be 300 pounds and if you're tapping purple belts, then I'll give you a purple belt. No, it has nothing to do with that. And so wins and losses are not in the grand scheme of things, especially in these early stages. It's not what instructors care about, especially if you have an instructor that's thoughtful and has thought about these things, like has taken time to think, you know, and actually what is he looking for? It's going to be a lot deeper than just who beats who. Now, the, you know, eco side of things like if we just look at the ecosystem in the room yeah the who beats who is very important but on the individual basis and especially when you're looking at a student's progress and potential and you know the guys that you want as purple belts at your school again these are the things that i think make a really 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 strong purple belt and it doesn't matter who you beat at white belt and blue belt it matters what you're doing at black belt. And that's going to help you. If just keeping that mindset, it's going to help you stay in the sport longer. And it's going to help you 
really develop a very personal style of jujitsu that you're proud of one day. So again, I hope that helps for you guys sitting at home. If you're a blue belt and you know, I've seen this meme a few times. I've heard guys talk about it. Like it's never like you're a blue belt that disappeared. You quit. You were gone for three months, you know, six months, a year. You haven't trained. It's never been a better time after the coronavirus to get back into the sport. Everybody's going to be rusty. Everybody's going to have taken at least a month off, probably two or three. So get back out there and write these things down. And I'm telling you, if you're at a good school, your instructor is going to be super impressed if you mark off half that list. They're going to be like, man, look at his leg defense. Oh, man, he's got a go-to guard. He's not a spaz anymore. He's, not, he's using strength properly in proper movements. He's not just flailing around and freaking out to escape. <laughs> so... As always, I'm hoping in two years, I'm sure I'll have two or three more things I'm looking for. But as of right now, that's the list, guys. I appreciate all the support. Stay safe. I hope your loved ones have not been affected and everyone's healthy. God bless you guys. Love you. Until next time, peace.